What time is it? What time is it? Time is it? Time is it? Time is it? got your attention howdy and welcome to the abi 1.0 podcast i'm your host terry thompson and i can't wait to unwrap this episode i'm gonna get to it it's about chocolate mmm chocolate chocolate's beginnings in human consumption can be traced back to ancient mesoamerican civilizations particularly the mayans and aztecs they were the first to cultivate cacao trees and make a bitter beverage from the beans. <laughs> it was used in religious rituals as currency and was believed to have various medicinal properties. The cacao beans were highly valued and played a significant role in the cultural and social life of these civilizations. What are you doing up here? I thought you were downstairs boxing chocolates. Oh, they kicked me out of there fast. Why? I kept pinching them to see what kind they were. Sitting on the front porch, ice cream in my hand, melting in the sun, all that chocolate on my tongue. That's good enough reason to live. Good enough reason to live. Come to find out, chocolate has some amazing mood-enhancing chemicals. PEA, a compound that's uh, naturally produced by the brain when we experience feelings of pleasure and happiness. PEA stimulates the release of endorphins and dopamine, which are known to improve mood and create a sense of well-being. Serotonin. Chocolate can have an impact on serotonin levels in the brain. Serotonin is a neurotransmitter that regulates mood, appetite, and sleep. Consuming chocolate can potentially increase serotonin levels, leading to a sense of relaxation and contentment. Ananamide. Ha! I said it right the first time. Chocolate contains ananamide, which referred to as the bliss molecule. Ananamide interacts with receptors in the brain similar to the way cannabinoids in cannabis do. This compound can enhance feelings of happiness and relaxation. Theobromine. Theobromine is a natural stimulant found in chocolate. While it is not as potent as caffeine, it can have a mild stimulating effect, promoting alertness and providing an energy boost without the jitters associated with caffeine consumption. 
you know, armed with this knowledge, I can see a few scenarios where uh, offering chocolate might help one out of a sicky situation. Yeah. With apologies to Cheech and Chong, but uh, since chocolate contains that compound that's similar to cannabinoids, in this instance I thought it'd be okay. Besides, ask anybody who's ever had the munchies, the importance of chocolate. My Not everything's sweet in Willy Wonka land, it seems. Now, if we're talking about the production of chocolate, especially if you're a cacao farmer, it can be very bittersweet indeed. Ghana is the world's second biggest producer of cocoa, but the country only earns about 2% of the $100 billion industry. Cocoa growers here export most of their cocoa beans to Europe and North America, where they're turned into chocolate. We are shipping out the cocoa in its raw state. And if you look at the value chain of cocoa, money is made in the finished products. While big chocolate companies rake in billions a year, many cocoa farmers live in poverty, earning just $2 a day. And Ghanaian entrepreneurs like Michael have struggled to open chocolate factories in their home country. We are trying to decolonize chocolate. This time around, we are saying that it can be done right here in Ghana. Now, the government is funding efforts to grow a domestic chocolate industry. But can Ghana's entrepreneurs get a bigger share of the profits? We visit a cocoa farm and processing plant to find out. Ghana, together with Ivory Coast, grows over 60% of the world's cocoa. The countries sell to all the big chocolate companies, from Hershey's to Mars to Nestle, which process the beans abroad in mostly Europe and North America. Pacho, your friend me, Joseph Bata, Amaya cocoa farming for 18 years ago. Joseph grows 11 acres of cocoa, and it isn't easy. Farmers battle more extreme weather due to climate change, plant disease, and fatigued land. Every October, he and his family begin harvesting the yellow pods. It takes just four days. Joseph collects the pods and takes them to the breaking ground. Here, workers crack them open and remove the beans by hand. Joseph uses the leftover pods as compost under his trees. Joseph then dries the beans for another week. In total, he packs 75 bags of beans a year. His income is about $27 a day. It's a high wage for a Ghanaian farmer because Joseph grows organic cocoa without pesticides. But many farmers in Ghana live at or below the poverty line, earning less than $2 a day. That's because the majority of farms are small and aren't certified organic, according to Christy, a cocoa scholar nicknamed the Doc of Chalk. We are talking about really small plots, and this is part of the reason why cocoa farmers are so poor 
But that's not the only reason farmers make so little. Cocoa is being farmed in Ghana for over 100 years. There are many parts of the country where the land is really fatigued now and the trees are old. In the 15th and 16th centuries, Portugal and Spain monopolized cocoa, controlling production and trade from their colonies in Latin America and the Gulf of Guinea. Europe's elite were the biggest customers. The crop arrived in what's now Ghana in 1876. Around the same time, the British declared the southern region a colony and began invading north. Locals owned and ran all the small farms, but the raw product was exclusively exported to Europe. A lot of what we know today as like, contemporary chocolate really grew out of this, this trading relationship between Ghana and Britain, including the, the flavor of chocolate itself. Although Ghana gained its independence in 1957, its one-way cocoa trade with Europe still exists today. Then there's the dark, bitter side of chocolate that we should all be aware of when we consume our favorite confection at any time. I mean, there's just no excuse, in my opinion, for the following. The price of chocolate is higher for some. On this farm, we find Abdul. He survived three years of work. He's just 10. He earns no wages for his work, he says. Just food, the occasional tip from the owner, and the torn clothes on his back. Put in the simplest of terms, Abdul is a child slave. We move away from the group so he can speak more freely. And through our translator, he tells us his story. If he, if he had a choice, he wouldn't work. Abdul says he's from neighboring Burkina Faso. When his father died, he says, a stranger brought him to Ivory Coast. Abdul has never eaten chocolate. Tells us he doesn't even know what cocoa is for. We met Yaku on the same farm, also from Burkina Faso. My mother brought me when my father died, he tells me. Yaku insists he's 16, but he looks much younger. His legs bear machete scars from hours clearing the bush. The emotional scars seem much deeper. I wish I could just go to school, he says, to learn to read and write. But Yaku says he's never spent a day in school. That's why it's important to be knowledgeable about where our food comes from. I know none of us want to support crap like that. Eh, we, it's important for us to have the 
some of the background, at least, of the things that we put in our body. And speaking of putting things in our body, I, if you've noticed a slight speech impediment, especially when it comes to S's and T's, uh, in the heavy research I did for this episode, I uh, found a nougat in a candy bar. I'm not going to say which one, but maybe it's the nougat found me. Whichever way it happened, I broke a tooth, a front tooth. That's okay. See, look, I, I put the end of this Kit Kat bar in the slot, and it works out just fine. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll look at the greatest threat facing chocolate, and it's severe. Uh, can we say extinction? Yeah, <laughs> I wish I could better. I, if I would just keep from eating my temporary tooth, we'll discuss that and more about chocolate when I return. We're not in a rush to be most popular. Not in a rush not to be. Real bourbon, no apologies. If it's for you, you'll know. Ah, thank you. Wild turkey, it'll find you. Are you feeling sluggish and slow like a turtle in a shell? You don't have to drag your feet anymore with the help of Token Turtle CBD in Aranda's Pass, Texas. Their store offers a wide range of CBD options including flour, pre-rolls, edibles, relief rubs, vapes, and more to help you move and groove with ease. And the best part? CBD has been known to help with skin issues, inhibit cancer cell growth, stress, anxiety, PTSD, epilepsy, and even lower your A1C. So say goodbye to sluggishness and hello to a new zest for life. Visit Token Turtle CBD at 361 South Commercial Street, Suite F, or check out their website at shoptokenturtles.com to learn more. You can even give them a call at 361-434-0063 if you just have any questions or just want to chat with the friendly staff. So why not come out of your shell and see what all the fuss is about? Token Turtle CBD is available seven days a week from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., so there's always time to give them a try. Plus, who knows? Maybe you'll discover your inner zen turtle.
feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. In the near future, chocolate lovers around the world may face a deeply disheartening reality. The extinction of chocolate itself. Alarming as it sounds, scientists are generally concerned that as soon as 2045, chocolate could vanish from our lives due to various threats, particularly the devastating combination of climate change and a pervasive disease. Climate change isn't the sole culprit, black rot caused by the fungus Pythophora palmivora is a significant menace to cacao plants. The aggressive disease attacks cacao trees, causing black, discolored lesions on the branches, stems, and pods. It ultimately leads to the death of the infected trees and a substantial reduction in cocoa production. Unfortunately, black rot is highly contagious and can easily spread from one plant to another, turning entire plantations into hopeless battlegrounds. Efforts to combat black rot and save the future of chocolate are underway. Scientists are actively researching disease-resistant cacao plant varieties and exploring ways to mitigate the impact of climate change on cocoa farming. Genetic engineering techniques are being used to create cacao crops that can better withstand disease and changing environmental conditions. The fate of chocolate hangs precariously in the balance. Urgent action is necessary to combat the imminent threats of climate change and black rot, ensuring the survival of cacao plants and securing the future of this beloved tree. There's a growing sense of urgency amongst the scientific community trying to prevent the demise of chocolate. Oh, I'm sure a lot of those scientists are chocoholics themselves. I mean, think about it, the academic community. Oh, yeah, they eat a lot of chocolate. And in such a dire situation, we've turned to kind of strange areas for help. Why, we've even turned to Mars. This is really chocolate here. Here at Pizzell's Confections, their business is making people smile. That one's really, really juicy. And business is good. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't like chocolate? <laughs> they go through a lot of chocolate at their low mill locations, slicing off their little piece of the more than $20 billion worth of chocolate sold in the U.S. each year. But chocolate is in a bitter battle for its very existence. We haven't had really any issues um, with sourcing our chocolate, but I know that that's, that's a, you know, a big concern for, for you know, chocolatiers. Indeed it is. The chocolate that we enjoy begins with seeds from the cacao tree. It's native to tropical forests around the world, especially Central and South America and Africa. And that has always been its Achilles heel. Because it grows only in warm, humid places, it's especially susceptible to fungus and disease frosty pod rot, swollen shoot virus, and witch's broom. That witch's broom, yeah, that will then spread rapidly throughout the population of those trees. Enter Jeremy Schmutz and his team here at Hudson Alpha. Through a grant from candy maker Mars Wrigley, they're saving the cacao tree by mapping its molecular makeup. They've created an improved reference genome for cacao. Um, and what that is, is it's determining the DNA sequence, uh, the underlying genetic code of a plant. 
not all superheroes wear capes. Some stare at terabytes worth of data, making sense of these millions of clusters of letters. They represent the very building blocks of the cacao plant. What makes it grow better, bigger, fight off diseases, or not? Using these roadmaps, breeders can identify parts of the genome they'd like to see carried over into future generations of plants. Here's a bunch of trees that are susceptible to this pathogen, or here's a bunch of trees that have a, a really great agronomic trait or need less fertilizer, reduce more cacao. And then say, it's easy now to use our existing resources to mine and understand what the molecular basis is uh, for those traits, and then be able to put those back into the breeding pipeline again. I know what you're thinking. Holy cacao, they have made a confection connection that's gonna keep us swimming in chocolate forever. They prevented worldwide chaos on a candy aisle. Well, it's a start. What they've done is streamline the process of selective breeding, something farmers have been doing in the field for centuries, targeting specific genetic traits to ultimately produce a healthier cacao tree and tastier chocolate. Selecting for the good stuff, you can also select against the bad stuff, uh, thereby making a more robust plant out the other side. And that's something scientists say we have lost in domesticated crop plants. Over time, farmers selected for a specific trait, perhaps at the expense of natural disease resistance. The hope is to bring back plants that need fewer pesticides, fertilizer, even water. But for all our best efforts, Mother Nature has a nasty habit of mutating diseases that will show up in another form and strike again. That is like you don't live, just win and you're done. Um, this is really a continuous process where you're trying to respond to uh, what's going on in the environment where you're growing these uh, trees. Using this new reference genome, researchers will be able to guide cross-breeding efforts more quickly. So that people can continue to raise cacao uh, trees and we can continue to uh, you know, enjoy the, the fruits of the cacao tree. And that sounds pretty sweet to Michelle and chocoholics everywhere. I think that that's absolutely amazing, um, you, you know, just to help the, help the farmers, help the whole chocolate community, basically. How dark might the future of chocolate be? Well, there's this scenario. You better kiss me. You gonna miss me when I precious cacao trees near extinction, the world recoils in anguish. The ramifications extend far beyond the loss of a beloved tree. Entire communities dependent on cacao farming face economic ruin, their way of life uprooted and their livelihoods stripped away. Vast tracts of land once adorned with the vibrant green foliage of cacao trees are now barren, haunting reminders of what has been lost. With chocolate no longer accessible, shelves stand empty in stores. Confectioners and chocolatiers are at a loss for their craft. And chocolate lovers across the globe left yearning for a taste that can no longer be savored. The world mourns the loss of this divine pleasure, once taken for granted, now a bittersweet memory. Hey, I'm losing my temporary candy tooth here. I, actually, I ate it. I need another one. Uh, here, grab two and... Uh, Hey, which one looks better? Uh, M&M or Milk Dud? The Milk Dud. It matches your head. All right, now, you're getting quite an attitude these days. I mean, come on. Well, worst case scenario, 
Uh, and we lose the cacao tree to extinction. They are working on synthetic chocolates. Oh, time for another temporary tooth, or three or four. Yeah. Yeah, so you wedge that in there. Okay. Yeah, uh, they're working on synthetic chocolate that's supposed to taste like the real thing. I was going to say that remains to be seen, but that remains to be tasted. Actually, through the miracle of science, that can be arranged. Uh Uh-oh. Is this going to be another crazy experiment that crosses a line man was not meant to cross? Material scientist Dr. Johnny Drain likes to wonder what things could be made of. Whether it's a smartphone screen, the Michelin star restaurant dishes he's created, or wanting to figure out how to replace cocoa. This is the lab on the boat where the chocolate story begins. Oh, wow. I'm on board. Thank you. What's this? So this is um, some of the ingredients that we started developing the chocolate with. Kinky salts. Kinky salts. (laughs) That's various funky salts from different places all over the world on my travels. Dried shrimp. That's not in the chocolate, is it? That is not. And there's some raw cacao, which we were trying to imitate at the very start. But of all the things we try to find replacements for, cocoa may not be an obvious one. What most people don't realize about cocoa and chocolate is that um, about 70% of it is produced in just two countries in West Africa, Ghana and Ivory Coast, in a way that involves outsized water consumption. So about 20,000 liters of water per kilo, and that's way more than beef or soy or avocados. And there are issues with labor in those parts of the world. At a conservative estimate, it's thought that 1.5 million children are on these cacao farms working with their families predominantly is this however not taking away income from countries that really need it those countries do need that income and those hard-working farmers need to be supported but the state of the current cacao and chocolate industry is such that those those people are working on a dollar or less a day and it's not an equitable trade so this is johnny's story i grew up in birmingham near the cabbage chocolate factory so sometimes we could smell the the roasting beans and it was delicious. So I've always eaten a lot of chocolate. And I started thinking, why does chocolate taste like chocolate? And, you know, when you, if you put your scientist hat on, it's just a bunch of compounds and it's quite complex, but essentially it's just a bunch of compounds. And then thinking, well, can you make that flavor profile starting from something that's not cacao beans? Could you start with potatoes or rice? And what is it made from? Well, we can't tell you the secrets of exactly what we do, but our hero ingredients are barley, which has this you know, rich tradition of being used to make whiskey and beer, and also carob. And we found using this combination of fermentation and roasting, which is what you do to turn cacao into chocolate, we've taken that principle, that philosophy, and turned these ingredients into our alt choc. <laughs> And that magic of mixing now happens in the lab. Talk me through the process. Where does it all start? Uh, melt the fat because it's melting, and then just mix it all in the melanger. So it keeps grinding for 48 hours. And after that, yeah, we just proceed to temper the chocolate and, and mold it. So this machine's got to keep going for 48 hours? Yeah, that's correct. 
It looks like it's pretty well mixed now after about 20 seconds, but that's not mixed. No, it's not because it's all about the particle size. So you want to have like the smallest size as possible. So you get a nice mouthfeel in your mouth and you don't feel the different grains of the different ingredients. Wow, that's quite a process. Does normal chocolate go through something like that as well? Yeah, usually it's, it's around that time, a bit less, a bit more. It depends on the type of chocolate that you're having. Okay, something I never knew about chocolate. No, it's, it's very uh, scientific, actually, yeah. That's science resulting in a mixture containing 15% less sugar than its chocolate equivalent. And it's full of antioxidants and flavonoids. But how does it taste? Okay, that is looking particularly appetizing, so I'll go for this first. Right, eating on camera is always very messy. Mmm. Absolutely delicious, but I genuinely wouldn't know that that wasn't cocoa. Amazing. It tastes, I would think that was about 60 to 70% cocoa. That's what we're aiming at with these ones, yeah. Yeah. And that is the chocolate that I like. So my daughter, who loves a kind of Cadbury's or Galaxy milk chocolate, I'm not sure how she'd feel about it, but for someone who is into dark chocolate, wow, I, I genuinely can't tell the difference. What's your price point going to be like? Initially, we'll go in at that, that level of luxury premium dark chocolate, but within two years, we aim to have price parity with mass-produced milk chocolate prices. And are you going to produce something which is more like the milk chocolate? We'll do both. And we might even do a, a white chocolate, ultimately. There are another couple of companies in this space, too. But Win Win's bars will go on sale later this year. And they're not only for humans to enjoy. With no theobromine in it, unlike regular chocolate, you can give a piece to your dog if you can bear to part with it. And it's a slow ride on the Santa Fe. It's a slow ride on the Santa Fe. It's a slow ride on the Santa Fe. Crawling like a bear underneath the chair, looking for the sweet tooth. And there's a poor little bee in the dining car. There's a poor little bee. In the wonderful world of chocolate, some adventurous chocolatiers have dared to combine unusual flavors. Picture this, insects coated in chocolate, offering a crunchy and unexpected treat. There's also bacon, enveloped in the sweet embrace of chocolate, creating a curious blend of salty and sweet. Pickles, too, have joined the party, bringing a unique combination of sour and sweet when covered in chocolate. And let's not forget about the surprising fusion of wasabi peas and chocolate, or the unlikely pairing of onion rings with a hidden layer of chocolate. Even cheese has found its way into this chocolate adventure with varieties like blue cheese and gouda joining forces with rich, creamy chocolate. And finally, adding a touch of whimsy, chocolatiers have even covered everyday objects like spoons, keys, rocks, shoes, and toilet paper in chocolate. These chocolate-covered oddities are a testament to the creativity and playfulness of chocolatiers, 
offering a taste experience that's both unexpected and amusing. So if you're feeling daring, why not dive into the world of chocolate-covered curiosities and let your taste buds embark on a truly unique journey? Toilet paper? Oh my god. As far as the toilet paper goes, instead of chocolate-covered fudge, I guess that would make it fudge-covered chocolate. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I know I couldn't resist. My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. episode we've explored different aspects of the cacao industry shedding light on some uncomfortable truths from child slavery to deforestation mass poverty and pollution these problems cannot be ignored it's crucial that we recognize the impact our chocolate consumption can have on the lives of others and our environment however it's not all doom and gloom. There are organizations working tirelessly to make a difference and put an end to these harmful practices. In this episode's description, we've provided links to these organizations, and we encourage you to check them out, support their efforts, and learn how you can contribute to positive change. Personally, I recommend you watch this YouTube documentary that I've provided a link for in the description. It provides a more in-depth look into the issues discussed in this episode and allows you to further educate yourself on this important and time-sensitive subject. And it looks like that's the last morsel in this box of chocolates we call an episode, and it's time to toss that box out. I'm Terry Thompson. This is the ABI 1.0 podcast, and uh, until next time, hopefully with a repaired tooth, see ya. Oh, 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 uh, one more thing. Feel free to share this episode as much as possible. Let's spread the word. Like uh, Nutella. Ooh, that sounds good. But can it make a nasty thing tasty? So quick to judge. Summer 2016. Everybody needs a little slap in the face. Are we getting too good at this? It's attacking my soul. Put it in the chocolate.
That's the best thing you've ever said. My mouth wants to celebrate. Now this is a work of art. Process complete.